0: Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got JB Steenkamp online and some puppies, too. Hey, JB, how are you?
1: I'm doing fine. The personal trainer is just coming in and the puppies are very excited about that. So I'm sorry about that. Yeah,
0: that That's quite all right. And uh, when the personal trainer shows up, yeah, the dog should be excited because I'm, I'm assuming uh, they, they get treats or at least they enjoy the trainer uh, when they, they show uh,
1: up. So they do that, yes.
0: That's great. So great to have you on the show. Uh, today we're going to talk about leadership and you've got a new book coming out. But uh, share with the audience a little bit about your background and the work that you've been doing and then we'll dive into this book
1: well uh so as you can hear from my accent i'm not an uh, uh, somebody born in America. I was born in the Netherlands and I lived there for the first forty six uh, years I moved to the u s in two thousand six and became a citizen in two thousand sixteen i have been um i'm passionate about uh history I have been a marketing professor for a long time but also held a number of leadership positions and um I was interested in, say, the intersection between history, uh, leadership, what I learned from my own positions and so forth others. Plus, by the way, also marketing and leadership have a, have a lot of things in common. Essentially, it is about persuading or getting others, say, to follow you in a particular direction in marketing that could be uh, customers, but also internally your employees. Uh, Internal marketing is also very important, and that's also inherent in leadership. So that's where my interest kind of coalesces uh, history, marketing, and and leadership into what I believe could be an interesting new perspective in these, uh, I I would say, pretty uh, trying times.
0: I completely agree. And I love the analogy of marketing and leadership because you hit it right on the head. It's to entice people to follow a path or a direction or a choice And the history element of it is is crucial because I look at previous leaders from decades ago or centuries ago and how they approached the challenges of their life, because there's lessons there that we could utilize today. And as we all know, especially at the time of this recording, we are in the midst of a pandemic and leaders across the globe are trying to figure out and navigate how to manage their businesses, their life and everything else yeah. when there really hasn't been a playbook per se, or a rule book of how to operate in the middle of a pandemic. There really hasn't been any documentation. I certainly hope that after this one is passed on, there will be plenty of documentation for us to look back at and go, okay, what did we do well? What did we really need to look at a little bit deeper than we did? And what did we really mess up? So down the road, um, if when, I should say, not if, but when something like this happens again, we're hopefully a little bit better prepared than many countries and, and leaders have been at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting perspective. But Mike, uh, I think actually a lot of this pandemic leadership has been mismanaged. Now, we have one thing about the technicalities of the pandemic. Now, that is something, indeed, that we had to learn a little bit from, although there had been learnings in the past about SARS uh, and and some other diseases which have been completely ignored. But there is another thing about the general leadership in the time of crisis. And the pandemic here is a crisis. General leadership in the time of crisis. And in that respect, we could have learned a lot from the past. The country has gone through much worse crisis. Think about the Great Depression, uh, World War Two, and so there are lessons from those instances and and other instances which also have been completely ignored, and and that is a pity. So, the medical side, yeah, perhaps a little bit we are trial and error here. The other side, I think we could have done anyway a lot better.
0: Yeah, I, for many of us, you know, this is the. I would guess the best way to put it is the worst experience that we've maybe faced in a collective, but I agree with you. Um, the challenges that were endured during the great depression, world war two, you know, we, the history lessons are there. Um, we, we saw instances of world war two, a little bit when the U S government, had required some organizations to switch from what they were making, General Motors, for example, from making cars to making uh, respirators and and other uh, devices. That's what happened during wartime where they weren't making as many cars. They were making war machines and other things that were needed for the battle. And so there's, hints of it but it hasn't been to the scale in my opinion that it should have been which i think we would have been better prepared for all of this to happen but yeah i definitely don't want to make this a political commentary by any stretch but we've seen it in leadership and when for those of us that are in leadership positions and have studied leadership for a good chunk of our career These types of things jump out at us going, "Mm, we missed it on that one. We should have done this. And there should have been instances of leaders stepping up and navigating through these challenging times. And in some cases, we've seen it. In many cases, unfortunately, we haven't. But I I think we're still a bit early in the game of this. So there's still time to correct course and and do the things that we need to do. So let's dive into... Your new book, um, "Time to Lead." Um, you know what? What drove you to write the book? And as we said in the pre-show, I can't imagine a better time for a book like this to come out than now. But um, so, tell us a little bit about the book and, and why you decided to write it.
1: Yeah, the timing is a, a, a little bit fortunate or unfortunate from a societal point of view. That of course, I started the book much longer uh, earlier than that whole crisis erupted. Uh, it started the book because. Um, I had always taken my my cues of, in my own leadership positions uh, from historical people. And I had been studied them for a long time and why they did certain things and how they were so impactful. Uh, and after I stepped down as uh, chairman of the marketing department here at C, which I did for 12 years, I kind of thought, you know, I wanted to, Essentially, not so much use those insights for the book, but this is a, this is the right moment, okay, I now have a lot more time than before because it took a lot of time and I, I kind of was triggered by this change in my life to say okay let me let me go into this new uh direction and bring these insights together
0: it, it's you know, I've seen you know, some previews of the, of the book, and I think at this time. Where leaders are many of them anyway, and the ones I've talked to um, have privately said that you know they they kind of feel lost and they're they're not looking deep enough in their past experiences and history, like we've talked about before, on how to navigate through this. They they think that they need to apply a new set of rules to be able to navigate what's going on right now with their organizations with the with the market or, you know, what's going on in the world. And I tell them, I said, you don't need a new playbook here. You just have to look at the circumstances that you're facing right now, utilize the skills and the resources that you have to navigate either around those challenges or through them to be able to come out on the other side. And I think a lot of leaders and correct me if I'm wrong, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think a lot of leaders right now feel in a way paralyzed. They they're afraid to do anything. So they're not doing anything, which is not the greatest thing to do is just staying put is things are going to pass you by and you can get ran over if you don't move. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. um I think, and, a common mistake is made that that many people believe that everything is different now, so uh, that they are facing challenges that are completely, you know, new and they're unsurpassed, which actually is not the case. So uh, what we can actually learn is okay. Let us try to get some inspiration from other leaders in past crisis, how did they do it? And that is very normal. Let's say we all learn from our examples, from our parents, from our teachers, from our mentors. A lot of the learning is by by looking, what do other people do in such situations and how can I adapt that to my situation? And the same goes when it comes to... uh, Uh, leadership, Um, uh, Prime Minister Churchill once famously said that those who do not know history are bound to repeat it, so making the same mistakes again, and that is not necessary. The challenges that people are facing now are very tough, but compared to others in the past, they are not that much tougher than other situations in the past. How did these other people do that? I think that perspective. The economist, in an article, uh, uh, once wrote and it reflected upon it, it was also an impetus to my book. Uh, they wrote a couple of years ago that those who have passed through the fire, and they were talking about, you know, politicians like FDR, like Churchill, Bismarck, and other ones, say surely have something to teach today's managers. They actually how they kind of navigated all these problems. It, really can help us to do a lot. Say, for example, if you want to introduce say really disruptive changes in your organization and and some companies have done that quite well like 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 an apple and microsoft did not do that for a long time until with its new ceo they kind of did it uh you can actually that is what i do in my teaching when students tell me executive mba say yeah how can we do that It's very risky etc and then i'm gonna uh, discuss with them a case study which is also in my book how um how uh, Admiral Fisher introduced a new product, the battleship that completely wiped out Britain's advantage and the whole future and safety of the British Empire was at play. Now, that's a little bit more risky than your own company. So, what did he do? Which kind of steps did he take? How did he guard himself? These kind of things, it's just one example. They can help today's managers. They have to adapt it to their own situation. But if you do not know, examples from the past you are only dependent your own experience or perhaps looking at some more recent examples like jack welch you know look at general electric is now or carlos Ghosn. you know the boss of renault and nissan mitsubishi you know that's that, uh, that grouping is collapsing. Uh, you know, Mike Zuckerberg, you know, he was hailed as the greatest, uh, the greatest visionary on earth. Well, you know, I would argue that those are people that have fallen a lot from their pedestal. And that's why it is good to look at tested leaders that are relevant for us today as well. And that is my message. And I show in the book why it is relevant for people today.
0: So, Curious, you know, of all the leaders that you have studied, who who's one leader that jumps out at you? I mean, there's, I'm sure there are tons, and you've mentioned a few names, but who are some that really inspired you and inspire you today? That um, the lessons that they and the experiences that they went through and shared um, really, you know, inspire you in your own walk of life and and the work that you do. Well, the
1: one leader that has had the greatest impact on my life. I, I was younger and actually that allowed me to break out of a particular mold was British Prime Minister Thatcher, And, and uh, so very briefly, uh, in 79 when she came to power, Britain was a complete basket case. It was chaos and everything. Everything was wrong with the country that you could imagine was under the, the, the stranglehold of the unions and so on. And when she left office, the end of uh, 1990, Britain was strong. Uh, Britain was economically uh, growing. it was it was really back in the game. And why was that relevant for me because I'm not British? She broke the power of the unions. She broke the suffocating power of socialism that was hanging over Britain and continental Europe. And I was a student, university student at the time. I was being taught all the time, you know, well, you have to rely on the state and, uh, you know, performance should not be rewarded. Everybody should be equal. Now, that led not to very good results, but that was, let's say, the politically correct thinking of that day. And she offered another model, People should work hard and then should also be compensated to the extent that they work hard and that they perform better. Now, that was unheard of in Europe at the time. Now, it was in the US, it, it was less unheard of, but it definitely was her note. So she presented for me an encouraging model for me in my personal life to say, okay, you know, I'm ambitious. I I, I say that. I, I want to work hard, but I also want to see some of the fruits of that. And the also what she what encouraged me is not only her view, but also her willingness. She encountered chaos to with with directive measures uh, to write to write the country and to move it into a, a different direction. And I've done that uh, in uh, several of my leadership positions when I became chairman of the UNC, also when I became the editor of the most prestigious. A, academic journal uh, outside of the United States. Uh, two examples: uh, a situation where actually only with directive things, with a lot of opposition. There was a lot of I, I was a bad noir in large parts of the marketing community because of the things that that you and etc. And she actually showed me a role model. I say, you know, what I'm facing is nothing compared to what she's facing, uh, and I I got. Courage, and I got inspiration from her. Plus, also some of her tactics.
0: No, that's a great leader. When you first started to say, you know, British Prime Minister, I was, you know, my brain automatically went to Churchill. But then when you said Thatcher, I I paused for a second and I realized you're you're spot on. And I remember, of course, being in you know in the U.S. We didn't see it as much, you know, because the media wouldn't necessarily talk about Britain that much. Uh, but, you know, we'd see you know, when she came into power and the transformation, the Falkland Islands situation, all the other things that, you know, did make, you know, coverage in, in the U.S. media. It was impressive. And when people talk about Prime Minister Thatcher, there's, it's in you know the same ballpark or same arena as the admiration for Churchill. Completely different times, but still that doesn't diminish the challenges that she came in and faced and went into uh, battle, for lack of a better description, and navigated it to the point where it made the country better. And as a leader that's one of your mandates how do I make the situation or this organization better what can I do and what I mean, what resources do I have in lean on past experiences the roadmap that's been laid out by so many leaders that we've seen throughout history the lessons are there and people that that don't study history you know the, the phrase is if you know you don't Study history; you're doomed to repeat it, and we see that time and time again with missteps by organizations and leaders. You know, you, you mentioned you know some you know the, the Jack Welch's of the world, and you know the the Nissan situation, and uh, you know Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg. Facebook, you know, all that, that kind of stuff. Where it's like you know, on a pedestal, knock them down. And, and sometimes when you look at it from a kind of a novice point of view, from appearance, it seems like. Society likes to lift people up so they can knock them down. And I don't think that's actually the case. I think they get up on that pedestal, and they choose to get on there because they love the admiration and all of that, and then they lose their way. And that's when they stumble, that's when they fall, that's when they make mistakes. And uh, leaders that have avoided that pedestal. Like, I don't feel like climbing up there. I think I'm gonna stay right here instead. And if you wanna put a picture or portrait of me on that pedestal, that's fine. But I'm not standing there because if I'm standing there, it means I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So that's a, that's an incredible analogy, and uh, it reminds me it's like to do you know some more studying on on the work of Thatcher because uh, I, I think there's a lot of lessons in the work that I do and and, and guiding people uh, through all these challenges. So that's amazing. So. What's your proudest moment of this book? What was, uh, after completing it, and obviously I know it takes a long time to put a book together, but what's what's your favorite section of the book or topic that you highlight in the book?
1: Well, I think the proudest moment is when I read the foreword that uh, Major General Holt wrote. Uh, so Major General Holt is um, Deputy Assistant Secretary of the U.S. Air Force, and i um, I had uh, asked him if he would be willing to uh, write a foreword for the book, and he was willing to do that, but you never know what he's gonna write, of course. You're not gonna tell a general, okay, you have to write this or you have to write that. He is writing what he wants to write. So when I read his foreword, uh, that was actually the proudest moment, because we are talking about a very major person, a, a great leader, a great American leader, and what he wrote about the book, I must admit, I was I was prouder about that than anything that I wrote myself. Because if I write it myself, you know, I guess you're biased. Because if if you think that you're writing nonsense, you're not going to do it. I mean, then you're going to be crazy. Now and then, when he wrote about the book, what he what he said, that was for me the best moment.
0: Yeah, it's always it's a wonderful feeling when someone. Writes a forward for your book, and you don't tell them what to write. You you basically say, yeah. "Here it is." And I agree with you. Yeah, telling a general what to do there, there's, there's, there, that's fairly high on the ranking. Um, yeah. the, the the only the only person that can usually guide them is whoever their superior officer is or a level yeah. up. Or their spouse. I mean, that's that's basically yeah, the spouse. The, definitely, yeah. and probably you know, the spouse. De- the spouse's highest ranking, or should be, if you if you want to sleep comfortably at night. That's something I've learned a long time. Ago.
1: I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I, exactly. I agree with that.
0: Yeah, so awesome. So, JB, I've loved our conversation today. Where can people find out more about you and this incredible work you're doing?
1: Well, um, they could uh, link up with me on LinkedIn. Just uh, easiest is just to a search on john bennett steam camp and it will show up and then if you want to connect with me i'm happy to do that i share a lot of information and i have my own uh, website which is very simple is www.jbsteamcamp.com and um there what you can do is you can link up i post on my website uh, a lot of new insights and also post a test here that is in the book that people can do themselves to assess themselves. So these would be the two uh, most effective ways how people can connect with me. And I'm very happy uh, to interact with everybody that's interested about leadership because, you know, clearly, Mike, you and I and hopefully your listeners uh, share the same passion here. And we need leadership in our country.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, we need it in our country and across the globe. So, JB, thank you again for your time today. I really appreciate you. and, And congratulations again on the book.
1: Thank you very much. Nice for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to The The Breakfast Breakfast Leadership Show, Show. part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.